Good morning, good morning. Thank you so much for joining me. This is the podcast God's Holy Word. I am your host Leslie Sullivan. And I was reading Psalm 71 and I came across something that really jumped out at me. So I thought I would take a moment and make an episode about this because I think it's very important. So, um if you're new to this podcast, um I don't know what all which episodes you have heard, but um my history in terms of practicing religion was that I was raised in a cult. And the type of cult I was raised in claimed to be Christian, but they are not. Are there good people in different denominations? Yes, for sure. But the one I was raised in was not good. It was pretty horrible in fact. And the really horrible thing about cults is that um it's really horrible on women and children. And so um it's just a way of domination and it was really horrible. And I left that cult. I'm I'm still a Christian because Christianity is not a cult. Um it's actually the way the truth and the life. What happens in a cult is where you have people, usually men, that they try and take over a segment of society. and they claim that oh it's from god and that's not from god if someone is manipulating you and lying to you that is not from god that's from the evil one but one thing that jumped out at me in terms of psalm 71 and it really made me think about what i was raised in is in psalm 71 i'm going to start from the top and go down to verse 11 because it kind of builds up to this one verse So it says in thee O Lord do I put my trust let me never be put to confusion deliver me in thy righteousness and cause me to escape incline thine ear unto me and save me be thou my strong habitation whereunto I may continually resort thou hast given commandment to save me for thou art my rock and my fortress deliver me O my God out of the hand of the wicked out of the hand of the unrighteous and cruel man for thou art my hope o lord god thou art my trust from my youth by thee have i been holden up from the womb thou art he that took me out of my mother's bowels my praise shall be continually of thee i am as a wonder unto many but thou art my strong refuge let my mouth be filled with thy praise and with thy honor all the day Cast me not off in the time of old age forsake me not when my strength faileth for mine enemies speak against me and they that lay wait for my soul take counsel together saying god hath forsaken him persecute and take him for there is none to deliver him what really got my attention was verse 11 and here's why it reminded me of the cult i was raised in The cult I was raised in believed and they truly believed in this. And it was weird. And I knew as a little girl I was being raised wrong because it was not lining up with knowing the difference between good and bad and it was not lining up with good morals, good character, and it for sure was not lining up with the holy word of God. So what this cult believes and they still believe to this day is that if something bad happens to you, God is punishing you. Therefore you must you must be doing something wrong or bad or if you get diagnosed with something where it's the flu or heart disease or you know whatever the case may be you must be a bad person and God wants you dead. God is harming you and punishing you. So because they truly believed that 
And I think they just want an excuse to be mean to people. Because I think that if you really believe in the holy word of God, then you're not going to do unholy things, especially to your brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. So what these people would do is they would persecute you, be cruel to you, be horrible to you, thinking that they were doing the will of God. And I have a relative that's like this. And I have to really distance myself, especially from my relative that gives themselves permission to be mean to people because they they truly believe in their mind that if something bad is happening to someone else then you don't have to be nice to them you don't have to be kind to them in fact they truly believe that they are being given permission from god to persecute that person and i i just was so taken aback by all that as a little girl because i thought well if that's how these adults are behaving then how can they correct or spank a child for being mean to another child when they are being mean and cruel to other adults and they're giving themselves permission to basically go against the 10 commandments they're going against the laws of the land i mean it was really weird and also what's interesting about this cult is that they were always anti police they you know we were raised my sister and i we were raised to not trust the authorities whatsoever i mean i'm not saying you you can trust them all together because there's corruption everywhere but we were always raised that you never go to the police with anything um because we don't go to outsiders that is very cult like thinking very cult like because they don't want you to think that you have any hope they don't want you to think that god loves you at all especially if you're a woman because another thing within this cult was they hated women. They shamed and blamed women, but yet they would have sex with women. They just used women for sex and food and kids. It was it was very cruel, cold and disgusting to me as a little girl. I just thought I don't want to get married for the longest time. I hated marriage. I hated the idea of it. I didn't like what I saw in this church. I was like I'm not getting married in a church. That's the last thing I want to do. I I would feel like I'm going to hell. That's literally what I felt like as a little girl and a teenager. And I thought if I get married, I'm just going to go to the justice of the peace or whatever and get married because I I don't want to be viewed as a as a as a cow, as a piece of property because that's how we were treated. Because these people they they took things out of the Bible and manipulated. And what's interesting is that here the Psalms the Psalms were written by King David. And King David really called people out on stuff. and he would cry out to the lord and he would say hey these people are persecuting me because they think that you don't love me so because they think that you don't love me lord they are now giving themselves permission to go against your holy word your holy laws your holy ordinances and that's why they're being cruel to me please help me in this situation and guess what god did help king david because god doesn't ever give us permission to do evil satan does but God does not. And when I read that verse, verse 11, it immediately reminded me of my childhood. Cuz I remember some very hateful, evil people in this church. It was horrible. I hated it. I hated going to church. Like as, as a little kid, I thought, why would anybody ever go to church? I just didn't understand it. And plus another thing, I was not allowed to go to other churches with my friends. I was not allowed to really see what else was out there 
Because guess what? The cult had a grip on different parts of my family. And it was horrible. I mean, we were brainwashed. Absolutely brainwashed. Like I remember them saying really horrible things about my mother. And I was like, you know, that's not right for a church to do that at all. And they were saying horrible things about my mother because she was a different religion. And so I would go home crying. And you know, my mother would comfort me and try and help with the situation, but guess what? I was still fo- I was still forced to go to a church I did not like, much less respect. And I hated religion for the longest time because of it, and I, and I also hated God. I was like, how could a just God allow crap like this to happen? Excuse my language. How could he allow things like this to happen? Well, here's the thing. He gives us free will. So he he gives people free will because he did not create robots. He create he created people. And unfortunately, sometimes people do bad things, which is what these people were doing. And they were horrible to women. Like we could not speak in the presence of men at this church. We were not allowed to speak. We could not teach a class unless there were only women in the class or unless we were teaching children. We were not allowed to pray in the presence of men and my question for the elders was well if we're not ever allowed to pray in the presence of men or speak in the presence of men how do you expect young girls to grow up to be good wives and they didn't have an answer for me and they got angry I was like well you claim that we're supposed to grow up and get married and be good little wives but what about having good husbands See they they never really talked about what it meant to be a good husband It it was always it was always shame and blame the women because what's interesting is that this cult it blamed everything on women because of Eve because supposedly she caused us to fall in terms of in the garden of Eden when you had Adam and Eve and she they put all the blame on her they claim that she was the first one to sin that's not true obviously these people have not read the bible And if they have read the Bible, they are completely missing a really big part. Eve was not the first person to sin down here on this planet. It was actually the devil. He was the one that called God a liar, rebelled against God. And he set Eve and Adam up in a trap to get them to fall from God's grace. So technically Satan was the one that committed the first sin. It was not Eve. And here's another thing, Adam's not off the hook. Because Adam was right there with Eve when she partook of the fruit because she handed it to her husband. He was right there. So within this cult, they put men above women all the time. And I see this in other religions as well. like within Christianity and also the Muslim religion and within Mormonism. I mean, you'd be surprised how suppressed women are still to this day. But here's the thing. You know, if men were just flawless people, a flawless specimen, then he would have been Adam would have protected his wife from that from from the devil. He would have protected her. He would have said no, we shouldn't eat that, but he didn't do that. He let her partake of the fruit because he was beguiled as well by what Satan said. See, 
Sin isn't always how I word this. You don't have to actually commit a sinful act in order to sin. Let me say that again. You don't have to actually commit a sinful act to sin. Sin starts in your heart and in your mind. So in that case, whose sin is greater, Adam or Eve's? Eve partook of the fruit, but Adam stood there and watched, didn't speak up, didn't do anything. He saw the snake coming and didn't take him out of the garden and, and whip him out. He was passive. He was just ah, snake, ah, Satan, ah. He didn't care. But yet you have these different cults that put all the shame and all the blame, all the responsibility on women. I'm like that's not how men and women were created. We were created equal in the eyes of God. We just have different roles and responsibilities. That must that doesn't mean that one is better or lesser than the other. That's not what that means at all. But yet again, let me read this verse to you again. Let me start in verse 10. It says, "For my enemies speak against me." That reminds me of these people, both men and women, that spoke horribly against women. Women can be vipers to each other, and that needs to stop. Because men love it when women turn on each other. So why why are you doing what someone else thinks is great when it's not great at all? Like, does God want us to mistreat each other? Not by any means. He can't stand it when we do that. So it says, "For mine enemies speak against me, and they that lay wait for my soul take counsel together." So here's the thing: at this church I went to as a little girl, it was like the elders and the deacons they couldn't wait for someone to confess their sins publicly, just so they could shame them and treat them like crap, just treat them like dirt. So as as a little girl, as a child, I thought, well, why would anybody confess their sins publicly at this place? you are forever ostracized you are forever treated like trash and the reason why is because certain members of this church they basically wait for people to make a mistake or they wait for someone to speak up about something or admit to something that they did and then just like this verse they take counsel together against someone that actually needs their help they don't need to be put down But that's what this church did. There was so much division within this church, and as a little girl, I saw a lot of it. It was horrible. I was like, "Man, what religion are we in?" It was horrible. Like I did not have a very positive opinion of Christians for the longest time because, you know, I didn't see hardly any good Christians as a little girl. And you know what? It really ruins your childhood. Because it makes you question authority. It's like, "Well, why would I believe when an adult what an adult says?" When I see them lie, cheat and commit adultery, I see them be horrible to people, be cruel. Like why would I believe what they say and do and why would I think that they that they have a good life? They're just thieves. They steal people's joy, if not their money and their hope. So then it goes on to say, saying God hath forsaken him, persecute and take him, for there is none to deliver him. That is exactly what this church did. 
all they did was you know at the end of the service that was when you would walk forward and either give your life to Christ or basically throw yourself at the mercy of these evil people and supposedly ask them to pray for you they didn't care to pray for you they just demonized you they didn't want you to have a better life they wanted you to forever live in shame and it's like wow have you read the bible God's holy word is not about living in shame. It's about being free from shame. Yes, you admit to the things that you've done wrong, but you go to your heavenly father with that. You don't need to confess that publicly. You can do that, but you know, to confess your sins publicly, you know, you can do that if you want, but that's not a requirement of God. It's just not. You go to him first because he's the one that we are held accountable to. And then if need be you go to your brother or sister and I would go to them privately and confess whatever you need to confess. But here's the thing, you you don't go to a Goliath and expect him to wipe your tears away or to care about you. See, that's what it was like at this church where people would confess their sins publicly and they were confessing their sins to people that could care less where they lived or died. They just shamed him and blamed him, and then I felt sorry for these people that had kids because then guess what? These kids that were in our youth group, they were never treated the same by some of these stuck-up snobby kids, where it was like the stuck-up snobby kids they acted like their parents never did anything wrong. I'm like, if anything, your parents are the problem, because they're the ones that are shaming and blaming other people and being cruel, evil, and wicked, and they are giving themselves permission to be cruel to other people. because they think God is smiting these other people. It was psychotic, it was weird. But that's the dangers of religion. See, God did not create religion, mankind did that. All God ever did was create us, love us, ask us to worship him, love him and also to embrace God. Just to allow God into our heart. He didn't say, "Oh, would you please, you know, go make a Mormon church?" a Methodist church, a Catholic church, a Baptist church, a Church of Christ church. He, he he didn't ask us to make these divisions. In fact, God is not for division. He wants us to be the body of Christ. When you are the body of Christ, you you're, you're not all these different separate groups causing problems. We need to come together as the body of Christ, not be separate. We need to come together. I wish more people would recognize that God is inclusive. He is inclusive, but that doesn't mean that he just tolerates people to act however they want to act. That doesn't mean that he's okay with it. Like I knew as a little girl what I was being raised in was really bad. That's why I didn't like it. That's why I did not respect it. That's why I did not embrace it. I mean, I tried to be in the youth group. I tried to go to all these different church services, which considering the church I was raised in, you went you went to Sunday school, which I hated. Sunday school then church service, which I also hated. Then you went to church service um Sunday night as well. So you went to like three services on a Sunday. I hated that. I mean, your day was just shot. 
I mean, it was horrible. I hated it. It's like you couldn't get away from religion. I hated it. Then you had to go to Wednesday night service and or a youth group meeting. So I was spending time at this church like five times a week. I hated it. It was horrible. I mean, at times I despised it. So you know what? It didn't make me want to be a good person. I did everything I could to get out of going to these meetings and to these church services. Because I didn't like how I was being treated as a child. I didn't like how the adults were treating other people. And I did not, I did not like or agree with the shaming and blaming that was, being taking, that was taking place and that was being tolerated. Because they never focused on the love of Christ. Well, I take that back. In Sunday school they did, like for, for little kids, like two, two-year-olds and three-year-olds. But it's like once you became a five-year-old or something, oh, man, they just laid it on you hard about how God um, is an evil, bad God and that um, if you do anything wrong, he's smiting you. I was like, well, isn't he the problem then if he's a bad, hateful God? And they're like, no, no, he's good. He, he's a good God. Well, how can you say he's good and bad? See, that's a lie. See, these were people that were so off track from the goodness of God, it was insane. It was, you know what really bothered me as a little kid and as a teenager was, whoever taught your Sunday school class, that was the doctrine you just had to allow yourself to be brainwashed in because there was no consistency in the teaching, none whatsoever. It varied from person to person, so it really confused the kids. So literally, all I knew was I was practicing something that I didn't value at all. I mean, I knew God, I knew there was a God, and I knew that he kind of loved me. But then whenever I would get sick as a little girl, like I had pneumonia, bronchitis, you know, that kind of stuff, I was like, oh, that's great, he's trying to kill me. Now I'm going to have to deal with people at the church wondering what I did wrong as a little girl. And I'm going to get shamed and blamed. And guess what? Not very many kids wanted to be my friend in the youth group whenever I would get sick. Because they were brainwashed that if you got sick, something bad, you know, you were doing something wrong and God was trying to get rid of you. So if God is trying to get rid of you, then people don't want to be around you because they view you as a curse. And they don't want the curse to get on them. Needless to say, I did not have very many friends at this church. Because I thought, you know, when people are sick, they don't need an enemy, they need a friend. But this particular church, it was totally a cult. It encouraged people to turn on each other. And then they wonder why they have so many problems and why people are not loving and kind. And there was so much division in this church. It was really disturbing And so then um, I graduated from high school and I went off to college and I tried to, I went to the church on a college campus. It was the same church I was raised in. I was like, why is this church at a college campus? I don't know why. I went to one service and I couldn't take it. I was grinding my teeth. I was so pissed off. I was so angry. I was like, I am never going back to this. Not to practice. Not to practice a faith, because it's not a faith, it's a cult. They make it seem like they care about people, but they do not. Because they truly believe that they are going to heaven, everybody else is going to hell, but especially Mormons and Catholics. 
And it's just like, you know, nowhere in the Bible does it specifically say which groups of people in terms of religion are going to hell and which ones are not because we didn't have Catholics back then. We didn't have Mormons back then. All we had were believers in Christ Jesus. All we had were Christians. We had not formed all these different divisions. And also another bad thing about this cult I was raised in, they tried to pick out spouses for the girls. They were not picking out spouses for the boys. They were trying to get women to marry certain guys. So again, it was male dominated. We were treated like cattle and I hated it. So again, for the longest time, I had this horrible opinion of marriage. I hated it. I was like, really, why would I give myself to anybody? Why? They they don't value me. They don't treasure me. They just view me as a piece of property. I'm nothing more than a cow. And what I did not realize until I completely distanced myself from that cult, marriage is beautiful. And it was not founded on domination. It was founded on love and respect and also integrity. And those attributes come from God. They do not come from mankind. Believe me, they do not. But it took several years for me to realize that hey, marriage is a good thing. Marriage is a good thing and it's a it's a beautiful thing when you find the right person. See, all I ever saw were bad marriages. All I ever saw were women that never opened their mouths, that just sat there like drones and their husbands would just make fun of them, like right in front of them, make fun of them. I'm like, how does that woman not beat the you know what out of that jerk? Like, how does she not slap him? I didn't get it. I was like, who puts up with this? And see, th- these are baby boomers. So what you have to remember is that the baby boomers, they they really kind of started the feminist movement, the women. So I just kind of found it odd that you have all these women that are baby boomers that were. you know feminist in the day but then it's like once they get married or once they start breeding and having kids it's like they they no longer value the the futures of young women much less themselves and they just kind of get lulled into a false sense of security which means basically shut your mouth and allow someone else to dominate you make more money than you or take your money from you i just thought you know how is that even possible to happen in the United States. We have freedom here. And let me tell you something, being that I left a cult, there there is no freedom in a cult. None. You can basically just kiss it goodbye. So if so if you are going to a church that thinks that women are below men, they're just there for sex, breeding, spawning, food, cleaning the house. You are in a cult because you are proactively degrading what God created to be beautiful. Because if you remember Eve was a gift to Adam. She wasn't a servant. She wasn't a slave. She wasn't a sex object. She was a gift to Adam. So who is anyone to degrade their wife. 
Who is anyone to degrade their fiance? Who is anyone to degrade their girlfriend or someone that they're casually dating? And when I say casually dating, I don't mean casual sex. Because when you casually date, you shouldn't be having sex. You shouldn't be having sex unless you're married. And that's between one man and one woman. That is the covenant of God. That is what real marriage is. It's not multiple wives. And it's not two guys or two girls. It's one man, one woman. That's how our species continues on. I mean, what I don't understand with some people that think that homosexuality is okay and that their marriages are are lawful or okay in the eyes of God, which they're not. It's like, you know, If you let's say for example you don't believe in God but you, but you believe in evolution. Well, if human beings were all homosexual, our species would completely would completely die off because no one is breeding, no one is procreating the correct way so that so that you continue your species. Like you have to have a male and you have to have a female. That's how we're made in the image of God. That's how we're made scientifically, physically. I mean, that's just how we're naturally made. So whenever someone is is partaking in homosexuality, number 1, you're living outside the covenant of God, but you're also not even living up to the basic natural expectations of your species as a mammal. Which is degrading to think of it that way, but I would think that if someone doesn't even believe in God, then do you do you at least believe in your species? I mean, that's kind of sad to say that. It's kind of sick, but there are so many people that they have distanced themselves from God so much that now it doesn't even make sense what they supposedly believe in. It's like if you believe in science, then you know that you have to have a male and a female in order for your species to continue. If you believe in evolution, guess what? None of us would be here if you didn't have males and females. But here's the thing. I put my faith in God. Science is a wonderful thing. I don't necessarily believe in evolution. I I don't I don't think that we evolved from apes. I I don't believe that because animals don't have souls. An ape does not have a soul. An ape was not made in the image of God. Only human beings were made in the image of God. We are God's prized possession. Animals are not God's prized possession. He didn't make us for animals. He made animals for us. Humans have dominion over the face of the earth. That's why that's why we are responsible for for being good stewards of the environment. Animals are not responsible for that. We are. So, if we are responsible for the planet, then we didn't evolve from animals because we are responsible for the animals. We are responsible for the planet. But getting back to what we were originally talking about, you'd be surprised how much chaos is within these cults. It's just crazy. They would argue in Sunday school class 
about the divinity of Jesus. And I'm like, you're still debating this? After how many years after he died and rose from the dead and ascended to heaven, like you're still debating about his divinity? I just thought, what is wrong with you people? Like you have the holy word of God, there's no debate, just read it. Just read it. But they were so obsessed with power. That's that's what cults are. They are obsessed with power and being cruel to people. It's a power struggle and there is also greed involved in that. I've noticed that whenever you have a church that is so obsessed with doctrine and theology, they're not really listening to God. They just want to hear themselves talk. And believe me, I heard a lot of preachers in these churches that they just love to hear themselves talk. Well, I think that's called arrogance and pride and we're not supposed to have that as Christians. Like how can we be the light of Christ if we're trying to how are we this? Like how can we be the light of Christ if we're trying to make ourselves seem like we're more important than Jesus? That's technically heresy. None of us are called to do that because you know, we were not created to dethrone Jesus or dethrone God. Like who are we to do that? We are the creation. We are not the creator. But you'd be surprised how many of these cults they think of themselves as little gods, especially the men. Cuz there's no way like I never saw a woman take the microphone. Like she was never allowed to lead a prayer. She was never allowed to read a Bible verse. Um she was never allowed to preach. I was surprised women were even allowed to partake of communion, but they were not allowed to serve people communion. So if you are in a church that does not value women, you're in a cult. If you're in a church that doesn't allow women to speak in the presence of men, you're in a cult. If you're in a religion that does not allow women to preach, you're in a cult. If you're in a religion or go to a church that just views women as like cattle, their their only role is to pleasure men in the bedroom, give them children, pop out babies, cook food, clean the house. Then guess what? You're in a cult. because women are not property just like men are not property women or children are not property women are not property if you think women are dumber than men you have a big problem because you're putting someone down based on the sex that they were born And sometimes women view other women like this. They're not very kind to them. I've worked with women like this. They're horrible, hateful. They're vipers. I can't stand them. I'm like, "Wow, really? This is how you treat someone else? This is how you treat a fellow woman? Like, don't you realize you've been had by some really stupid, pathetic men that that are just power hungry?" I mean, it's just unbelievable. recognize when you've been had see cuz nowhere in the bible does it say that god wants us to be stupid or foolish 
Nowhere. He wants us to be wise, both men and women. Because both men and women have equal responsibilities in the body of Christ. There are different jobs that need to be done, but we have equal responsibility. Being that we have equal responsibility, that means that one is not less than the other. So if one is not less than the other, then that tells me God knew what he was doing when he created both Adam and Eve. He valued both of them. So who is anyone to devalue the other? I tell you what, these cults, they get away with so much. I wish they were closed. I wish some of these bad churches were closed. Because they're not teaching the truth about God. They're pushing people away from Jesus instead of bringing them into the fold. These cults They're not helping people find God. They're helping them find misery and they're pushing them away instead of embracing them. Let me put it this way. People that are in a cult, they act like they're your friend until they turn on you. Hence they're not a real friend. They were just acting. They're just playing the part. They were just trying to fool you. and i know what that's like and guess what i'm not friends with any of the people i went to church with as a child none of them and that's a good thing because we we do not see eye to eye i mean i love them i respect them i pray for them i pray that they find a better church and that they wake up to the fact that they've been brainwashed that's really all i can do is pray for people like that Because believe me, I was speaking up about what this church was saying was wrong back when I was a kid and a teenager. I was really vocal when I was a teenager. And guess what? It got me in constant trouble with the elders and the deacons of this church. They hated me. They couldn't stand me. They viewed me as a problem child. They viewed me as a problem child because I didn't like or appreciate how women and children were being treated. especially little girls. There were so many families that they didn't want girls, they just wanted boys. They wanted sons. How is that any different than what's going on in in, in uh India and in, uh China? In China, they have a shortage of girls because everybody wants a boy. But now because they they got rid of so many little girls in China, now there's a shortage of all these men that have grown up, you know, they're grown men now, now they're having a shortage of wives. Because of that stupid one child law and I think now it's a two child law. But there were so many families that if you could only have one child, they didn't want a girl, they wanted a boy. I mean, isn't that a horrible way to view a child, an innocent child? And then it's the same in India. it's it's backwater tribal thinking so here we are in the united states where we have freedom of religion we have democracy we are an advanced culture we are a advanced society we are a world superpower 
But yet, we have tribal and very disturbing thinking and beliefs happening in some of our churches here in this country. And how they treat and view women. It's ridiculous. Like the body of Christ needs to start calling these bad churches out on their behavior. And I'm not talking about shaming and blaming. I'm not talking about being mean or hateful. I'm just saying that we need to do what God's holy word says and pull our brothers or sisters aside and say, "Hey, what you're saying and doing is wrong." That's not Christ-like. We're not supposed to talk like that. We're not supposed to treat other people like that. That's not what God wants. He doesn't want suppression or or oppression within his church. Technically not at all on the planet, but especially within the body of Christ. But here's the thing. Christians, I think, have become really weak. They've become weak and weak-minded. And they they get very complacent. It's kind of like, well, I'm comfortable in the church that I go to. I like my life. I like going to church once a week, so I have to act like a Christian on Sunday or whenever I go to church, but then outside of that, it's just really all about me. Well, that's a very selfish and cruel way of living because none of us are called to live that way. We're supposed to stand up for what's right, especially in the times like what we're going through right now. Cuz we are a wonderful country, the United States. But we still have a lot of work to do. We've got some funky churches out there, and we still have some Mormon churches that have these guys that have multiple wives, and it's usually these dirty old men that want to have sex with young teenage girls or little girls. What are we doing about that? And these groups that behave like that, a lot of them are hidden outside of cities and towns. They have these little small communities and believe me they don't want outsiders. But guess what? Places like that and cults like that need to be stopped. Because it's oppressive and it's sexually oppressive to women and children, especially little girls. Like I'm surprised the church I was raised in as a little girl, I'm surprised they didn't give themselves permission to have multiple wives. Because they just viewed women as a sex object. And if you didn't satisfy your husband in the way that he wanted in the bedroom, guess what? You were viewed as the problem, not the man. What if the man wanted something really grotesque to happen in the bedroom? Or what if the woman or what if the wife just, you know, wasn't in the mood? Guess what? She gets shamed and blamed for that. That happens in the United States. That thinking. But it's that cult mentality. It's the woman's fault. She's the problem. No, in marriage you have two parties. You have the husband and the wife. It takes two to tango. You can't put all the blame just on one spouse. That that makes no sense because you're equal in the eyes of God. So if something's not going right in your marriage, you both have an equal responsibility to make it right. Let's say for example there there's adultery. Let's say one, you know, your spouse, you know, cheats on you. 
That doesn't mean you are responsible for the adultery of your spouse, but you have an equal responsibility to address the problem. That doesn't mean you are equally responsible for the sin that was committed. It means that you are equally responsible to address the problem and correct it. And the answer might be to repair your marriage or divorce. Me personally, I would divorce someone so fast if ever they cheated on me. I don't tolerate that. Cuz to me, once a cheater always a cheater. I don't put up with that. Plus, I don't want an STD. Like I just I don't play that game. I don't trust cheaters. I forgive and I walk away. But it's like I'm not going to put my life at risk just because someone can't keep their pants on. But you will be surprised. It's like if a man cheats, well, he's just sowing his oats. But if a woman cheats, oh, she's a harlot, she's a skank, she's a slut, she's all these horrible things. Well, you know what? If a woman is a skank or a slut when she cheats on her husband, then so is a man when he cheats on his wife. He's a harlot. You know, I don't know what other people call it, but you know, when a man cheats on his wife, we call that being a man whore. Cuz whoring is whoring. And it may be really strong to say that in a podcast when we're talking about God's holy word, but The word harlot and whore is actually in the Bible for a reason because it was actually an occupation. It's it's one of the what's it's like lawyers and prostitutes they it's the two oldest occupations in the world. But here's the thing. Most of the women and children that are that are forced into the sex trafficking they don't want to be there. They're forced into it. So if you are married and you're cheating on your spouse why are you forcing yourself into something that is degrading because technically you are choosing an act the people that are in the sex trade trafficking industry they're forced to be there against their will but when you are married and you cheat on your spouse you have free will to not cheat on your spouse So then why are you partaking in something that is just completely wrong? It just doesn't make sense to me. The one thing I do know is that people that cheat on their spouses, they have a big character flaw. God can help them with that. He can heal them of that, but I tell you what, I don't date people that cheat. Especially when I find out about it. I forgive and I'm like, "Hey, I forgive you, but I can't have you in my life if you do this. I can't do that." I don't tolerate that. Cuz then I'm always going to be thinking, "Are you sleeping with somebody else? Are you still cheating on me?" Like you lose that trust. That's the biggest thing about that. But what's interesting about when you are in a cult, there's all this pressure on the woman to be sexually pure. But There is no pressure on the men to be sexually pure. They can do whatever they want. Whereas in the Bible, it is very clear both men and women are supposed to be pure. Because your body is technically the tabernacle of of the Lord. We're supposed to be holy. If it's unholy for a woman 
to have sex before marriage, then it's also unholy for a man to have sex before marriage. If it's just horrible and unheard of for a woman to cheat on her husband, then it should be horrible and unheard of for a man to cheat on his wife. But when you are in a cult, you have certain people, usually men, that give themselves permission to do whatever they want, whenever they want, however they want. And they use religion to fool people. You need to separate yourself from that. And sometimes it's very subtle. Sometimes cults they're, they're not always obvious. They're not always the ones that you see on TV where the FBI had to get involved or something like that. Here's the thing, all of these cults they started out small. They always start out small, unheard of, and then they grow over time. It doesn't just happen overnight. but it's very subtle and see that's that's how sin gets a hold of people it's very subtle that's why we are supposed to be alert we are supposed to be vigilant as the members of the body of Christ we should be attuned to God's holy word so much so that we know hey something's a little off with that and i'm not going to i'm not going to tolerate that something's not right with it if it's outside of god's word i can't participate in that and sometimes there are things that we come across that we don't know exactly what's wrong but we know it's not where god wants us to be cuz sometimes it's not always obvious it's just subtle it's just very small but a lot of those little subtleties If you allow too many of them in your life, it really gets the the boulder rolling down the hill and it starts to pick up speed. But the way that we can avoid that is to pick up on the signs, pick up on the subtleties and really examine it and think, "Okay, is this where God wants me to be? Is this what God says? Is this what God says I should be doing? Are these the people that God wants me to be around?" We basically call it the, the smell test. If something doesn't smell right, walk away from it. Because it's not worth jeopardizing your faith, your integrity, your good name, your respectability, and it's not worth ruining your life in your future just to try and fit in and be inclusive. Cults love to say, "Oh, we we accept everybody and we love everybody." And then they drop the the bomb on you that, "Oh, well, we actually don't like these people and these people and these people." No, oh, and if you're born a woman, yeah, you're the problem, so we're going to blame you for a lot of things. But your husband, yeah, he has the right to hit you and beat you. It was not uncommon to see black eyes at the church I was raised in. And the black eyes Nine times out of ten, the black eyes were always on women. Every once in a while, there was a guy that had gone to a bar and had a black eye, and it was like, oh, he's a man. It's like, no, he, he's an alcoholic and a drunk and a moron, and he probably drove home drunk. So, you know, think about that. There's favoritism in these cults. So just recognize that religion is not from God. 
Only God is God. The only thing that God ever gave us was his love, kindness, his covenant, his mercy, his tenderness, his compassion. He never wanted us to be dominated by people that don't really love us or care about us. Because that's enslavement, that's entrapment. And God also doesn't want us to be around people that speak negatively about us or towards us. Because those aren't our friends. Like what's the point of being around negative people that won't stand for you or by you but they'll trample you down, walk all over you, try and steal your money, take your property, could care less what happened to you. You know, in the Bible it says a faithful friend is a sturdy shelter. He who finds one finds a treasure. Are bad people a treasure? No. They are a curse. And I've always found it interesting that whenever whenever I've had bad friends, they're quick to shame and blame me, but yet they won't take responsibility for the stuff that they're doing in their life. Or they'll put me down. like if i lose a job or or something funky happens like they're not there for me they treat me like crap and i'm like wow um that's not a good friend and i have had to end friendships i've had to say hey i don't think we're we're really friends anymore i think we've just grown apart i try and be nice about it and i just walk the other way and other times i just let the relationship fizzle away i don't call them they don't call me or if they call i don't pick up and eventually they get the hint hey i'm done with this relationship Because if I wanted to get negative feedback from someone that doesn't really love me, believe me, there are plenty of people I could go to for that. But who wants to hear that? We should be surrounded by people that are good and true to God's holy word. And I say holy word because all of God's word is holy. But what cults do is they take bits and pieces out of the Bible and they use that as an excuse to be mean and cruel to people that is the direct opposite of being holy that's evil cuz here's what people may not realize even the devil knows scripture and he tried to use it against Jesus in the desert when he tempted him for 40 days I tell you what, I've met some people, I'm like, wow, they've definitely got something going on in their life and it's not Jesus, it's probably demonic. We need to be careful who we associate with because whoever we associate with is whom we form relationships with. It's whom we form alliances with. Relationships and alliances are great. They're wonderful, but when it's with bad people, it's really bad. And cults are notorious. for fostering really bad relationships because they don't really value human life. They are massive manipulators and they are massive liars. And the way they get away with it is they use God's holy word to fool people. Well, God has a lot to say about people like that and it's not good. God has a lot of wrath towards people that misuse his word. 
and and try and fool the innocent and entrap the innocent and be cruel to the poor, be cruel to the chronically ill or the ill like uh God does not have a whole lot of patience for people like that. He's patient, you know, because he wants people to repent of their ways and come back to him, but you know, God's very clear that we need to be good and kind to each other. And you're not going to find goodness and kindness in a cult. You're just not. It's very difficult to be happy when you're being raised in a cult, when you live in a cult, and when you marry within a cult. I've met some people that have married into a cult. I'm just going, you know, um marriage is a covenant. given to us by God it's a blessing and what cults do is they remove the blessing and the covenant and they claim it as their own and they destroy and they manipulate and almost always punishes the woman you know if you are in a marriage where your spouse is just constantly punishing you you're not really in a marriage you're technically in a cursed relationship I would strongly suggest that you walk away from that. And especially pray about it. Because when you're in a bad relationship, you're you're not going to have or feel the love of Christ in your life. And whatever bad relationship you're in, if anything, all it's going to do is deter you from the goodness of God. It's not going to bless you, it's going to curse you. That's another danger of being raised in a cult and practicing a cult religion and marrying into a cult. Thank goodness I didn't marry into it. I refused. You know it it really angered some people. I'm like, "What do I care? It's my life. It's my body. I'll do what I want with it." What I do with my body is between me and God, and who I marry is my business. I don't need permission to marry whoever I want. But when you are in a very strict religion and they try and control who you marry, especially for women, just recognize you need to walk away from that. And sometimes you may be walking away from the only thing that you know. And that is one of the hardest walks. Because you're having to walk away from everything that is familiar and walk out into the unknown. and you're basically starting over from scratch. And not only are you starting over from scratch, but you're starting over without the true knowledge of God in your heart. So you're having to start anew in your life, but also in your relationship with God. But what's great about walking away from the bad is that you're walking towards the good. So whatever was bad in your life God will replace with the good and if anything it's a great way to turn over a new leaf in your life and to start fresh with God and just walk with Jesus every day of your life and walk towards your new horizon That is far better than staying stuck in in a bad relationship or in a bad church or in a bad religion because the salvation of your soul is more important than pleasing people
going to heaven is more important than just trying to please someone that you're sleeping with. Because when you put God first, everything else falls into place. But when you are in a cult or if you're if you're in a religion that's not teaching you the right doctrine, that's not teaching you the holy word of God, number 1, God will not be first, and number 2, more than likely you will be very miserable for most of your life. You might have a nice vacation here and there. You know, you might get to celebrate anniversaries here and there, but that's how that's how cults and that's how bad people fool people. Is they take things that that ordinarily you would enjoy and they apply it to their cult and make it seem like it's normal. Well, yes, we're married. Let's celebrate our anniversary. Let's go on a cruise. Well, going on a cruise and celebrating your anniversary of your marriage, that's what other people do. Yes, but if you are in a cult and you were married into a cult, the way that you're being fooled into staying in that relationship is that they're making it seem like what you're doing is normal because you're doing what other people do outside of the cult. Does that make sense? Cuz that's what happened to me. They make it seem like they're normal by kind of participating in some of the things that other people do in other religions and in other walks of life just to reinforce that see we're just like everybody else. It's okay to be here. It's okay to be in this. It's not a cult. We're just like anybody else. We celebrate our marriages, we have children. We we like to go out, we'd like to go to movies, but here's the thing. Once you get home, you're going right back to hell, to the hell that you're living in. Yes, the vacation was fun. Yes, you're celebrating your anniversary. Yes, your your kid just graduated from high school and yes, that's a wonderful thing, but guess what? You're still stuck in what you're living in. Because at some point, you have to go back through that front door of your house and you're right back where you were. You have not really escaped. You just took a vacation from the hell that you're living in. But once the vacation's over, reality starts back up again. So if you want your reality to change, stop running to vacations and and address the truth in your life. address what's actually going on because once you address what's happening what's really going on in your life then when you go on vacation or you celebrate these other moments that other people do when you come back home you're not coming back to a, a hell you're not going back to the lie that you've been living you're you're coming back to a new truth a better truth You're coming back home to a place of peace where you can be yourself, where you can be loved and cherished and you have a normal life. You don't have an abnormal life. I know what it's like to travel with people, go on a vacation, but you dread coming home because you know it hasn't really changed. Yes, you were happy and free and blissful on your vacation, but guess what? you still have an issue in the home so if it was me and this was me at one point in time i had to change my home life i had to change what was going on in my faith my religion my walk with jesus I had to change who i was around 
and limit interactions with bad people. Limited, if not completely excluded. Because whatever you're running from will catch up to you. Because eventually you have to go home. You have to go home and face the music, as they say. Well, if you don't like the symphony that's being played at your home, you need to change your home. Otherwise, you're still going to keep hearing the same old, same old sad tune that you're living in. And here's the thing. God doesn't want us to be sad. He doesn't want us to be frustrated. Not ever. Not ever. I love what it says at the first part of Psalm 71. It says, "In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be put to confusion." You know who the author of confusion is? The devil. He loves it when we're confused, when we don't know what we want, when we can't make a good decision, and then if we do make a decision, we doubt it. That's what the devil wants. But when we put our trust in the Lord, we won't have confusion. We will know what is right and what is wrong, and we will be able to say, "Hey, this is not the life I want. I want something better. I'm leaving." Or or don't even tell them you're leaving. I mean, if you're married, you kind of have to, but if you're not stuck in a marriage that's bad, then you can just simply walk away and start life anew. But there are times you have to say, "I need some space." I need some boundaries. And that's the polite way of saying I don't like what's been going on. And there is going to be a change. I love verse 2 as well. It says, "Deliver me in thy righteousness and cause me to escape." I love that. So God does provide you with an escape when you're around bad people. You just have to be you have to be open to what God says though. When it says incline thine ear, you need to be listening to God, not to bad people because bad people, especially in cults, they love to confuse you. They love to manipulate your mind and they like to be the noise and the voice in your ear. They don't want you to listen to the Holy Spirit. They don't want you to believe that God loves you. They don't want you to have a good strong relationship with Jesus Christ because if you know who you are in Christ Jesus, then you know that you're not supposed to be around those people. and you know that they don't really love you just because someone smiles at you or is kind of nice to you or they say they love you that doesn't mean they really do and that doesn't mean that, that they actually have your your um your safety in mind cuz it says here deliver me in thy righteousness and cause me to escape incline thine ear unto me and save me Right there we see that God always provides an escape when you are being afflicted and when you need to get away from bad people. God listens to us, but we also need to incline our ear to God and listen for his instruction. It says, "Be thou my strength or my strong habitation, whereunto I may continually resort." Have you ever noticed that whenever you live with bad people, you don't feel safe and you just feel weak? You feel like you don't have the strength to walk away like the moment you walk into the house you just feel like I don't know weak as a worm. That's not what God wants at all for you. When we reside in the house of the Lord, he gives us a strong habitation, meaning we know who we are in Christ Jesus and we should never 
cower or whimper or be fearful. We have to stand up for ourselves. That's what that is talking about. So God provides us an escape. But also, when we take courage, we have strong habitation in our God because he provides us with a happy home, a home that we are proud to call our own. It says, I may continually resort. Thou hast given commandment to save me, for thou art my rock and my fortress. You know, if you want to have a good idea of just how strong God is, and this is minuscule to how he how strong he really is, I want you to look up a fortress. Google fortress and look up images. Look up all the different images of the fortresses that have been built over the centuries. And just imagine what God's fortress looks like. Because he does have a fortress. He has a hedge of protection around you. But what the enemy wants you to think is that you're worthless, you're useless. You know, if you're a woman, you're just there for sex. You're just there for babies. And if your husband's not happy, it's your fault. That's, that comes from the author of confusion. That's from the devil. God doesn't believe any of that. And he's not the author of that. Our Heavenly Father is the author of our lives. He is the author of courage, strength, endurance. He provides us a strong habitation. And he is our rock and our fortress. And we have a choice. We can either believe in the goodness of God or we can believe in the confusion of the devil. I go with God on this and everything. It says, "Deliver me, O oh my God, out of the hand of the wicked, out of the hand of the unrighteous and cruel man." Now, cruel man can apply to also to cruel women. But right here, King David is saying, "Deliver me, O oh my God." So he's saying, "Hey, I need help. Get me out of this. Help me here. I need your help. Deliver me, O oh my God, out of the hand of the wicked." King David had to deal with some really bad people, and guess what? We are still dealing with bad people to this day and we will until the end of time. However, we know that God delivers us. And here's the thing. He says, "Deliver me, O oh my God, out of the hand of the wicked, out of the hand of the unrighteous." Did you know that if you don't truly believe that you are in the palm of God's hand, then you are allowing yourself to be in the hand of the unrighteous and just how do you think they're going to treat you they're not going to love you or respect you so basically again don't go to goliath and expect pity or sympathy or expect him to care and here's the thing the unrighteous they're cruel people and this can be both men and women and i'll give an example have you ever opened up to someone about a situation that happened in your life and the person just could care less what happened to you and if anything they took the other person's side even though you were in the right you were being oppressed you were the victim see that's how you know when you are in the presence of an unrighteous cruel evil wicked person is when they don't see anything wrong with what was done to you and if anything they might even get a little irritated that you're even speaking up And the reason why they get irritated is because they don't think the innocent actually should have a voice. Because they think that they are more important than you. Well, that's an evil wicked person and they do this all the time. We shouldn't be shocked by it, but it does happen. 
goes on to say, for thou art my hope, O Lord, my God, thou art my trust from my youth. So here's the thing. How are we raising our kids? What I noticed in this cult, it's like the boys could do whatever they wanted, but the girls had to be sexually pure. And I'm just like, really? So if these guys, if, if, if it's okay for them to be having sex, who do you think they're having sex with? They're having sex with girls that, you know, we're, we're supposed to be helping them to be sexually pure. So if they're having sex with these girls, then you're basically okay with your sons having premarital sex with supposedly impure girls. Well, if they're having sex with impure girls, then I got news for you, your sons are impure boys. It goes both ways. Because both boys and girls have virginity. But our society has degraded sex so much and taken it out of wedlock and stripped it bare of its holiness. and it's used it as a tool for guys to just do it to do whatever they want to women and even young women girls but if a girl behaves like a boy especially sexually she's a harlot a whore and a slut so it's okay for a guy to sow his oats but a girl can't do that and then we wonder why we have so many young people that don't know how to date and then they're not finding their one true love they're they're not finding a spouse and then we wonder why people are waiting to get married like to their 30s or 40s and then they're not having kids or they're not having as many children well guess what how they're raised is very important it doesn't make sense to me that especially in these cults that they they give They give guys permission to just do whatever they want sexually, but girls, oh, you better do what's right, otherwise you're the problem. I'll give an example. There was one lady I worked with. She was okay with her son staying out late, and he he was a minor, you know, he was under the age of 18, but she was not okay with her daughter staying out late. And I was like, "Well, why are you not okay with your daughter staying out late?" And she was, "Oh, well, you know, she could get in trouble." I'm like, "What kind of trouble?" She was, "Well, she could sleep around with boys." She was, "I don't want that happening." I was like, "Well, who do you think your son is sleeping around with when he's out there late at night? Do you think he's sleeping with good girls or bad girls? Do you think he's just going to shoot pool? Like if your daughter's sexual purity is important, why isn't your son's sexual purity important? You're teaching him it's okay that he can sow his oats at any time and then you get angry at your son when he knocks up some girl and then you blame the girl for the pregnancy not both the girl and your son and that's what happened. She was horrible to her son's uh, girlfriend. It's like he could do no wrong. Really what a mama's boy. It's sick. It's absolutely sick what some of these parents teach their kids, their sons. And it's just unbelievable and that kind of thinking occurs in these cults and outside of these cults. It especially occurs in families that don't go to church at all. And then they wonder why their kids, both male and female, become sexually active at a really young age. It's really disturbing and that's not what God intended for mankind. He did not want men or women to be used as sex objects. Sex was never supposed to be taken out of marriage, never. 
But whatever you take out of the holy will of God is what you allow to be degraded. And then guess what? The author of confusion comes along the devil and says, "Oh, enjoy it while you can. Sow your oats while you're young. That's why you're young. That's not why you're young." Be careful who you listen to and who you hang around. It says, "By thee have I been holden up from the womb." Thou art he that took me out of my mother's bowels my praise shall be continually of thee. I love that phrase my praise shall be continually of thee. So basically regardless of how old we are and what happens in our lives we should continually be focused on God. Now that doesn't mean that we're crazy bible thumpers and screaming and yelling at people and you know driving people nuts with religion that doesn't help people at all. It means that regardless of what job you have, what situation you have, that you know that God is good and true and he keeps his word because that comforts us. That gives us peace. Like you don't have to be a preacher or a pastor or, you know, super religious to give God all the glory and praise. If anything, the entire body of Christ is supposed to be doing that. So that means if you're a doctor, you're supposed to be giving God praise. If you're a lawyer, If you're an engineer, if you're a nurse, if you're a teacher, if you're a homemaker, if you're a baker, whatever the case may be, regardless of your occupation, you should be giving thanks to God. And one of the ways we give thanks to God is we do the right thing every day. We do little acts of kindness. You know, when it says to continually praise God, that doesn't mean that you're sitting in church 12 hours a day and you never leave the building. Well, guess what? Nothing would ever get done if if everybody just stayed at church all day every day 7 days a week. That's why God did not invent monasteries or nunneries. In fact, he's not for them, he's against them. Because if all we ever do is live in a monastery or a nunnery, guess what? We're not preaching the gospel. We're not we're not showing people or teaching people the good news of Christ. And if we're not sharing the good news of Christ, what good are we? We're being selfish, ignorant, horrible people by just sitting on it and not sharing it with other people. Cuz we're supposed to free the captive. We we free the captive by proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Cuz there are different types of enslavement. We are supposed to preach freedom to the captive. We're not just supposed to get complacent with our lives. That's not what Jesus says to do at all. If anything, he's against laziness. Goes on to say, "I am as a wonder unto many, but thou art my strong refuge." I love that, but thou art my strong refuge. Let my mouth be filled with thy praise and with thy honor all the day. What that means is is that regardless of what happens in your life, you already know that God is true. He's true to his word. and you give God all the glory and all the praise. And it took me some time to understand that because I went through some really bad hardships in my life. And what how do I word this? What that means to me is that my hardships would have ended a lot quicker and it would have been a lot easier to push through that valley of death so to speak if I had been thinking about God and not be and not be focused on my problems. If I had been focusing on the goodness of God and not the misery of my soul and what was going on guess what i would have gotten out of those situations a lot quicker and i would have been a lot happier 
during those situations. See, sometimes we've gotten into a bad habit of whenever bad stuff happens, we just like to camp out there and be miserable and, you know, and enjoy the pity that people feel for us. You know what? Pity doesn't pay bills. Get up, suck it up and look up. Meaning look up to your heavenly Father. He loves you. It says, "Yea, though I walk through the valley of death." It doesn't say we park our car there and watch a sad depressing movie on the movie screen. It doesn't mean we camp out there or build a house in the valley of death. It's, "Yea, though I walk through the valley of death." Meaning, it's a nothing. You're supposed to walk through it. You're basically walking through the fire of life. Walking through the hardship, meaning hardships, yeah, they can happen, but it's not going to deter you and it should not stop you from experiencing the goodness of God. And it should not frighten you. It's easy to be fearful, but it's way better to have courage because God can swat any problem like a fly, big time, and I love that. Be sure to get your bug zapper. I'll say that for the spring and summer. goes on to goes on to say cast me not off in the time of old age forsake me not when my strength fail you know what's interesting is how good and kind god is to all people but especially the elderly if you think about abraham and sarah he gave them a child in their old age how does our current generation treat or view older people god loves all people regardless of the stage of their life So just because someone's gotten up there in age that doesn't mean that all oh, they're forgotten, they're old, they're washed up, they're stupid, they're just going to die. No, like turn that into the positive. They they're living a good life, good for them. Bless them. We need to have some respect for each other and of all ages. I think there's been a greater division between the young and the old because the old have been so mean to the young look down them oh you're just young ignorant and dumb no not all young people are dumb and please don't talk to them like that cuz young people these days they don't put up with that they call people out on it but i do think the young need to be respectful of older people even when older people are not nice to them especially when someone is not nice to you You should be especially kind to that older person because if an older person is not being kind to you, then it's your job to show them kindness to kind of give them a road map of how they should be behaving regardless of what stage of life they are in. See, just because someone's older doesn't mean they're wiser, it doesn't mean they know everything, it doesn't mean they're trustworthy. That's the thing. Age does not equal wisdom. Believe me, I've met some really evil, wicked older people over the years. And it was shocking to me because you like to think that people that are older are trustworthy and they know more, have good advice. <laughs> That's a lie. That's a lie straight out of the depths of hell. If you want wisdom, you need to get that from God. Always be kind and respectful to people regardless of their age, but you know, you need to stop living on cloud 9. You need to really focus on your relationship with Jesus Christ. and not just keep running to people that are older than you for advice for ideas things like that the best advice 
and the best ideas come from your heavenly father that doesn't mean that other people can't help you or that older people don't know things but you know i can think of so many people that have given me horrible advice and they may have had the best intentions some did not but all they did was deter me from what god really wanted me to do i should have just gone to god first and if he and if he spoke to my heart and says hey i think you should go to this person they would be a good mentor then i would have gone to that person But sometimes we don't know how to identify good people or or good advice givers. You know what I mean? Sometimes we just automatically associate age with wisdom. That's not true. Not true at all. So then we're going back into verses 10 and 11 and we'll close with this. For mine enemies speak against me and they that lay wait for my soul take counsel together. So, you know what's interesting is that bad company loves company. So be careful who you keep company with. Because when you get into a nest of vipers, it's very difficult to walk away. It's doable, but it's more difficult. They that lay wait for my soul take counsel together, saying God hath forsaken him, persecute and take him, for there is none to deliver him. So you'd be surprised how many people they think your situation is hopeless, worthless, you're all used up, washed up, so why should we pray for you? And if we do pray for you, We should just pray that you have a happy death, not a happy life. Sometimes people give up on us when they're not supposed to give up on us, but here's the thing. People may give up on you, but God never does. And here's the thing. Sometimes people are brainwashed and they don't realize it or they don't know they've been taught or raised wrong, so they truly believe they're giving you the best advice, even though the moment it comes out of their mouth, it just sounds awful, right? Like pray for a happy death, please. That That is so horrible and that takes place in the Catholic Church all the time and that's a cult, believe me. Um so you have to really be careful about who you hang around because you will start to adapt their habits and you'll you will start to adapt their mindset. And here's the thing, if they already have a negative opinion of other of other people, why would they ever have a positive opinion of you if ever a hardship comes your way? They're going to think you deserve it. They're not going to help you. They're not going to give you good advice. If anything, they're going to give you bad advice. And they're also not going to think that you're worth saving in any way, shape, or form. And what I mean by that is I have a relative that's pretty evil. I shouldn't say pretty evil. Evil is horrendous and horrible. Um, very evil, I should say. I have a relative that is very evil. And one time I had to go to the hospital... Actually, I've had to go to the hospital several times. At this particular time, I went to the hospital when I was first diagnosed with pleurisy. I didn't know what was going on. I thought I was having a heart attack or a pulmonary embolism, which is where you have a blood clot in your lung and you can die from that very quickly. So, I went to the emergency room and it was discovered that I have pleurisy and it's really bad and I was put on a not a breathing machine, but I was put on oxygen and I was put on pain medication because the pain was so excruciating. It felt like I'd been beaten in the chest and it felt like I had broken all my ribs and I couldn't hardly breathe. Well, I called this relative and um said, "Hey, I'm in the hospital. Doctor said I need to call call you guys and let you know I'm in the hospital. You might want to come up here." My relative, who is very evil, lectured me about wasting the time of the doctors in the ER. 
and just you could tell that they rolled their eyes on the phone and told me that I was a waste of time that I was wasting the doctor's time and that basically I'm not worth what modern medicine can provide and that they are not going to come see me because they don't care and they think that I'm not as important as the doctors that are there that I'm not worth saving basically and this comes down to because I'm a woman and this person would also when I was growing up would shame me for having periods it was horrible women were shamed for everything it was unbelievable so i was speaking to a woman hater and so um another relative came up to see me and immediately they realized this is really serious because i was put in a heart room and then they had me hooked up to equipment for my lungs and the relative that thought that i was a waste of space never came up there to see me only shamed me and blamed me for getting ill because they truly thought that and they still think this way a little bit that if something bad happens to you God's trying to kill you you might as well just die don't waste people's time because to waste people's time when 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 God is trying to kill you is wrong that's why this person did not think I was worth saving they actually thought that I was bothering the doctors in the hospital but yet the doctors in the ER the entire medical staff was very concerned about my heart and my lungs and whether or not I would be able to leave the hospital but this relative thought I wasn't even worth saving because they thought I was doomed and cursed even though I was young I'm still young but I was in my 20s and the relative that did come and see me they um they were pretty shocked at how serious the situation was And then I got out of the hospital and I had to uh I couldn't take off work very long because I didn't want to risk losing my job. But the relative that was not very kind to me about that, they continue to act this way. And they have always acted this way ever since I was a little girl. Because they truly believe that they are doing the holy will of God by encouraging people to not get proper medical care when they get sick. Now if that's not cruel and evil, I don't know what is. But the thing is, it took me a long time to realize I couldn't trust that person because I didn't want to believe that a relative could think that I wasn't worth saving or that I wasn't worth loving and that they were okay with me dying. Even though when they get sick, they don't want to die. It's all about them. when they get sick but if someone else gets sick oh god's just trying to get rid of you 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 might as well just go on to heaven you know if you're savable you know if you go to hell then you know i guess god really did want to get rid of you that's how they view it just know that that is not the holy will of god that is satan see that's the author of confusion So, let me just put it this way. If you have a relative or you have someone in your life that thinks that way, you need to lift them up in prayer. And just say, "Lord, I forgive them. I ask you to forgive them. Please bless them. The devil has a hold on them. Something is wrong with their mind. 
their heart, their will, their emotions, their soul. Something's going on there. Please help them. Please deliver them from that because that's not normal. In fact, it's a form of hate. You lift it up in prayer. You say in Jesus mighty name, I pray amen and you let it go. You cast your care. That's what I had to do. That's why I had to separate myself from the cult. It was because I knew there's nothing that I can say or do to change this person. Believe me, I've tried. It did nothing but make me miserable. It did nothing but cause problems in the family. It was horrible. Learn when and how to walk away and let it go because sometimes the here's the thing only god can save someone it's not our responsibility to save the planet god's already done that but if someone doesn't believe in jesus or if they don't want the love of god that's their choice god gave us free will and you know what the 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 um how are word this the direction of that person's soul is between them and god it has nothing to do with you or me the salvation of their soul it's not dependent on upon us so just take a deep breath of relief with that a deep breath of relief because i know what it's like to feel like it's your responsibility to save somebody but guess what you can't save anybody that's not your job as christian believers all we can do is be christ like and let the chips fall where they land That's what the body of Christ is supposed to do. That's why we do the holy will of God, not the evil will of the evil one, the author of confusion. See, this is how cults, this is how cults ruin families. They they encourage relatives to let loved ones die needlessly. Technically that's manslaughter in a way. And if they neglect medical care, that's murder. And they do it in the name of religion. Like my personal opinion, I'll close with this. I think that anyone that that dies and it's not completely clear what they died of, I think they should be autopsied. Especially if they have a chronic illness. Cuz sometimes what relatives do is they they tamper with people's medicines or they encourage the person that's ill to not seek medical care so then they die but then it looks like it's a natural death even though the relative or the patient was bullied into not getting medical care because the family did not want them to live anymore because they view them as a burden either financially or spiritually or physically or they just flat out didn't want them to be alive anymore. But because the person had a chronic illness, something that could kill you, it gets overlooked. That kind of stuff, it happens. So needless to say, if you are around people that don't really value your life, you need to get away from that Goliath because The only thing they'll be happy about is when someone shovels dirt over your grave. 
that's how evil those intentions are that's how evil those people are like that's really what it is when someone doesn't value your life they literally don't care about your death that's why we have to distance ourselves away from bad people and i think sometimes especially in the united states especially in the middle class we get lulled into this false sense of security but here's the thing if it doesn't pass the sniff test of god's holy word it's not on the up and up it could be someone that you love it could be someone that makes you nervous it could be someone well they're kind of good kind of not good you know it kind of depends on what mood they're in it doesn't matter God doesn't want us to be around bad people. He doesn't want us to be a part of cults. And he doesn't want us to practice a false doctrine. And that's what some of this stuff is when it comes to cults and when it comes to these really funky ways of believing in a religion. If ever someone claims to be a Christian, but they're doing things that are not Christ-like your radar needs to go up big time because technically that's our responsibility as Christians we're not supposed to be okay with people persecuting us that doesn't mean that we overly react or get violent not by any means but we we're supposed to live in the goodness of God and being that we are supposed to live in the goodness of God We're supposed to recognize evil and walk away from it and call it out for what it is. Because we are supposed to be the light in the darkness. That means sometimes we have to have tough conversations with people, especially when it comes to churches. But the best thing that we can do is believe and know that God is on our side. God is never on the side of the wicked, even if they claim to be a Christian, even if they have a position in church, even if they donate money to X Y Z. Doesn't matter if they're wicked; they're wicked because their their intentions of so-called goodwill are not true, and God knows the, the intentions of their heart. Focus on the holy will of God, and that will guard and protect you. from any and all harm and you will walk through the valley of death walk through it and you will get to your promised land but anyway i will go ahead and end this podcast for this episode but until next time i pray that you're happy healthy and whole that you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week thank you so much bye bye
Still hold- 